Welcome to the Sermon of the Week. Before you begin listening, let me pray that you would encounter God right where you are. Father, I ask that your Spirit would be present wherever people are listening. May they be aware of your presence and receptive to the voice of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you listen to this week's message. Be exalted now in the heavens as your glory fills this place. You alone deserve our praise. You're the name above all names. Be exalted now in the heavens as your glory fills this place. You alone deserve our praise. You're the name above all names. Be exalted now in the heavens as your glory fills this place. You alone deserve our praise. Your name above all names. Be exalted now in the heavens as your glory fills this place. You alone deserve our praise. Your name above all names. Be exalted now in the heavens as your glory fills this place. You alone deserve our praise. Your name.
my crops. Imagine where you will be, and it will be so. Hold the line. Stay with me. You find yourself alone, riding in green fields with the sun on your face. Do not be troubled, for you are in Elysium, and you're already dead. <laughs> Brothers, what we do in life echoes in eternity. What we do in life echoes in eternity. How many of you have never watched that movie? Okay, you need to go watch it after Sunday morning service. It'll get you excited. Um, it's called Gladiator. Starring, no, I'm not going to do a commercial. <laughs> Well, a couple of weeks ago, as I, um, as I was meditating about some of the stories and things that were shared on that Sunday, um, you remember uh, Ro came up and um, we had his testimony of what God had done in his life, um, setting him free from uh, addiction to the uh, pills that he was taking to control his depression, completely set free, God is doing a great work. And then we had a testimony of, um, uh, uh, of James and his dad. James is our cello player. His dad had a spot on his lungs and completely disappeared. God completely set him free. I had a chat with, uh, with James Sr., uh, because he's James too. Uh, and uh, it's just so great to, to hear what God is doing in his life and how the Lord just completely set him free from that. And then, you know, uh, John, sitting right there with his wife Stacy, a, a couple of weeks before reported that his AFib just kind of like disappeared. And, and it was, I think it was just this week uh, Bill, that Bill and I were talking about this, that, and for those of you who don't know Bill, Bill, just raise your hand so everybody sees you. Uh, Bill was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer, and if you know anything about stage four pancreatic cancer, typically they say that you have a limited span of living. Well, a year and a half now, Bill, Clo closing in on two years, and um, yeah, thank you, Lord. And, uh, and he just went to the doctor this week, and the doctor did some tests, and he says, you look so good, you don't need to come and see me tomorrow. <laughs> Isn't God faithful? And so when I started thinking of all this, I thought, Lord, what is it that is unique 
to all of these. And I felt the Spirit of God whispered this to me. It said, David, it's all about positioning. It's all about positioning. Now, when you think about positioning, in virtually every sport, positioning is incredibly important. For instance, if, you know, the NFL just started this week. So in football, when you're watching a football game, you never see a defensive lineman just standing around, do you? You don't. They're usually, they're like, <sighs> they're like grinning and they're like ready to attack, Right? They're, they assume a very strong defensive position. And they're ready for anything that might happen. If a running back is coming at them or a quarterback sneak or whatever play has been decided in the line of scrimmage, they are ready to go for it. In soccer, one of the hardest things in soccer, I don't know how many of you are soccer fans or uh, or, or, you know, you know how soccer works. But in soccer, one of the hardest things to learn is the offside. Uh, because you can score. You can think like you're alone in front of the net. Shh, offside. There you call, they call the playback. And so positioning is incredibly important. In the world of racing, it's the same thing. If you start at the end of the uh, grid, at the at the all the way, you know, in the last car in the grid, it's going to be a little hard for you to actually win the race if you're starting in the back. Unless your name is Max Verstappen, and that's a different story. And if you know, you know. Uh, but that's, that's how it is. You know, you, just, you, you're, you, you have to be well positioned. Now, I want to read to you a text this morning that talks about the importance of positioning. And it's found in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And we're going to have it on the screen as well. And we can read it together. We're going to read verse 1 and then we're going to jump from verse 1 to verse 14 and read right through to verse 18. Verse 1 says, After this, the Moabites, the Ammonites with some of the Maronites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was one of the kings uh, of the uh, land of Judah, the separation of Judah in, in the southern kingdom and Israel in the northern kingdom. And then verses 14 to 18 say this. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite and descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. And he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. Now, I want you to know that these were incredibly wild people. All of the people that we read before in there, we're talking about three nations coming against this little strip of land called Judah. I mean, and not even all of Israel, right? Just the bottom part of it, Judah, right? They're coming against it. And the prophet is saying, don't be afraid. How many of you would just take that for like, okay, don't be afraid? Can you like explain what that means? 
Uh, can you give us a little context about not being afraid? Because, you know, all I'm seeing is like this vast army of people. And you're telling me not to be afraid, but I actually am afraid right now. Explain that a little bit. So he said, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the For the battle is not yours, but God's. Okay, I, I need explanation about that. Uh, you know, prophet of God. Uh, what do you mean the battle is not mine? We are ready to go to war. Well, let's read on. Tomorrow, march down against them, and they will be climbing by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the uh, gorge in the desert of Jeruel. Uh, you will not have to fight this battle. Again, same sentence, different place, Second time, take up your positions. Take up your positions. In other words, positioning. Position yourself. Stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will give you. Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Third time, do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow. And the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground. And all of the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Jehoshaphat, in this story, and as a king of Judah, um, I explained to you before that there was a separation between the northern kingdom of Israel and then from Jerusalem down, the land of Judah was the southern kingdom. And so you see typically in, in the book of Chronicles, in the book of First and Second Kings, you read about the distinction between a king in the north and a king in the south. And during the time uh, that, that Jehoshaphat uh, was... Uh, a king, essentially, King Ahab was the king in the north, right? Ahab and Jezebel. I think we all know those names from having read the scriptures before. And so uh, Jehoshaphat himself, as a king that was standing before God, he was well-positioned. You say, how was he well-positioned? Well, he was a righteous king in Judah, unlike any of his predecessors that came before him and especially unlike anyone in the northern kingdom the northern kingdom was known for their wickedness and i'll say a little bit more in a minute but in second chronicles 17 3 to 6 it gives us a little bit of a recap about jehoshaphat as a king of israel now let's look at uh, why he was well positioned if we could put those verses up uh, it says, the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the ways of his father, David. And he did not consult the Baals, but sought the God of his father and followed his commands rather than the practices of Israel. And the Lord established the kingdom under his control. And all of Judah brought gifts to Jehoshaphat so that he had great wealth and honor. And his heart was devoted to the ways of the Lord. Furthermore, he removed the high places and the Asherah poles from Judah. That's important for us to understand because he walked with 
God. He was, he, the, the promise that God had made to King David was that there would always be someone from his lineage that would continue on. And that God would bless the land of Israel because of David. And so uh, King Jehoshaphat was established in the way that God blessed him because he was following the ways that God had spoken to David the king originally. David was the second king of Israel right after King Saul. And so David had, as we know and we read about it, David had a heart after God, right? And so he was soft toward the Lord and the things of God. He had a heart after God. And also it says here in this verse, King Jehoshaphat did not resort to or inquire of these gods other than the only true God. He did not go after the pagan gods or goddesses. In fact, Baal originally meant that he, uh, it, 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 it was the, the male god of the, Fiji, the Phoenicians, sorry, the male god of the Phoenicians, and also was referred to as the, and you probably read it in the scriptures, Baal, Peor, or also the god of the Canaanites, or Moloch. And Moloch is one of those gods that you just don't really want to have anything to do with uh, it, because Moloch liked children and the sacrifice of children. In fact, there were kings in the northern kingdom that would actually sacrifice their children to appease this god. Jehoshaphat sought God and he followed God's commands rather than going after Israel's practices. You say, what were Israel's practices? Well, Israel decided at one point that they were not going to worship God anymore. And so the king of Israel, Jeroboam, decided that he would put two golden calves on the extremities of the northern kingdom. And he told the people, instead of worshiping God or going to the temple, just worship the golden calves. Didn't that happen before and didn't work out very well for Israel? If you know the story, you know the story. They walked around the desert for a long time. And when they got anxious because Moses was up in the mountains worshiping God and receiving the law from God, they did what? They erected a golden calf. And I don't have to tell you what happened after that. It's pretty gruesome, but you can read it for yourself. So God, uh, or Jehoshaphat was well positioned. But we also read that God blessed and prospered Jehoshaphat greatly. In fact, if we can put those verses in verses 10 to 13, look at what happened because of him fearing God and, and, and listening and ascribing to the, uh, to the precepts and the things that God had spoken through David to him. It says, the fear of the Lord fell on all the kingdoms of the land surrounding Judah so that they did not go to war against Jehoshaphat. That's incredible. And some Philistines brought Jehoshaphat gifts of, in silver as tribute. And the Arabs brought him flocks, 7,700 rams and 7,700 goats. Jehoshaphat became more and more powerful. He built forts and stored cities in Judah, and he had large supplies in, in the towns of Judah. He also kept experienced fighting men in Jerusalem. Wow, guys. I mean, 
I, you know, it's quite incredible when you read about God and you read that God blesses people. But when you read about God blessing people in this context and you understand what was happening, it is a very unique blessing. Jehoshaphat basically experienced a time of peace in his land. The fear of the Lord fell on the other nations. I mean, he don't even have to try to, to have peace with other nations. That God will bring peace. You know what? Sometimes we try to fight our battle and we try to bring peace with people that we've had conflicts with. But you know what? If we trust God, God will bring peace. Bring peace to our relationships. Bring peace in the midst of situations that are really hard to deal with. God will. But he also became very rich and powerful. Can you imagine the very Philistines that a few years later actually came and conquered the land of Egypt from the north to the south completely are the ones that were giving them gifts. The Arab nations were giving them gifts. I mean, 700 and, and, or 7,700 rams and goats, and he became so powerful. He had fortified cities around him. I, I mean... Jehoshaphat was the man. He had it all together. And on top of it, he decided he wanted to have some good bodyguards. That's what he did. He had experienced fighting men in Jerusalem. Let me keep some bodyguards next to, to where I live so that I have protection. You see, when the Holy Spirit spoke into my heart about being rightly positioned, it showed me that we are responsible for being rightly positioned. Just like Jehoshaphat. We need to become, the Bible says, we need to become innocent as children. For to such belongs the kingdom. Children that have hands open, letting go, not holding back, surrendering. And embracing God and his plan and his desire for all of us. You see, we let go so that we can gain. We let go so that God can give and he can pour into us. When we are positioned or we position ourselves with hands open in surrender, it's because we realize that we serve a God that is more than just the Sunday morning God. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? It's more than just coming to church on Sunday morning and experiencing whatever is happening on a Sunday morning. That's more than just that. We realize that he is more than just religious form or just Sunday practices. He is a father. He is our father. He loves us. He cares for us. When the disciples went to Jesus and they said, teach us to pray, what did Jesus open up that prayer with? Our Father. You see, there's no coincidence with God. And Jesus opened with our Father because he wanted us to know that he is a Father. And his love and affectionate toward us. His forgiveness and grace toward us. His mercy and acceptance. I tell you guys, there's no other religion, no other belief system in the world today that will offer you a relationship like God will offer you. 
The reason why we worship the way we worship is because we enjoy that relationship with the Father. Because we want to receive from Him. We want to come and step into a place of encountering God. It is not about checking things. It's not about getting up in the morning and say, read the Bible, check. Sing a song, check. Go to work, check. You know, you know all your, your, your things and, and you feel good about it. I think we all feel good when we do what we should do. But there's more to what we do as believers than doing those things. Imagine... What God can do with each and every one of us if we are rightly positioned in him. To be positioned means to take one's stand or to station yourself. It also means to occupy and to be situated. When we are rightly positioned, when we are rightly positioned, God empowers us. He elevates us into a place, a divine overflow, an abundant supply. Being positioned in God puts us in a place, in the proper condition to fulfill his plans and purposes for our lives and for the calling that God has placed in each and every one of us. You say, what calling has God placed in my life? I'm confused about what I should be doing in life. Well, let me give you some of them. How about being a good husband? How about being a good wife? How about being a good friend? A good worker? A good, solid believer that shares the life and the light of Jesus to a world around us? We don't need to necessarily stand behind a pulpit or be on stage and singing and playing. Not everybody can do that. But I tell you what we can all do is be who we are and what God calls us to be. As a man and a woman and a husband and a father and a son and a child and so on and so forth. That is a calling that all of us have. And so as we get into all of the ideas i want to share between today and next sunday the second part of this message about being rightly positioned i want to give you some key concepts about positioning in the kingdom number one identity is positioning identity is positioning so you might say wow identity we're talking about identity again absolutely because god wants to experience him in the way i just described we need to be secure in who we are and whose we are. So let me explain that a little bit. I personally believe that the concept of identity could never be overshared. There's always so much. And in fact, I think in the day in which we live in, there is so much confusion when it comes to identity that we need to be completely solid in our belief of who we are and who God has made us to be. If you think I'm talking about politics and political issues, you can relax. I'm not. But we do know what the Bible says about who we are. Now, identity, however, is more than just knowing who we are. Identity is living and doing who we are. 
Just look at the person next to you and say, ouch. It's doing who we are, not just being. Let me explain that. There's a story of this renowned artist. He was an illustrator, a painter, a comic artist, and a, and a sculptor as well. His name was Paul Gustave Doré. He lived in the 1800s. And story says that he was going, traversing from one country. He was from, born in France in the 1800s. He only lived to be 51 years old. But he was crossing the border to go into a neighboring country. And he had forgotten his passport. And so uh, he went to the, uh, to the border crossing guards that were there. And he said, well, I, I'm sorry, but I forgot the passport. Uh, well, sir, you cannot cross. But I am Paul Gustave Doré. Okay, he says, but there's a lot of people that want to cross the border. And, and they say that they are somebody that they might not be. We have no proof to actually confirm who you are. And so he insisted, and he insisted. And so finally the guard said, okay, if you say that you are truly this powerful and great artist and illustrator and, and uh, comic artist. So he said, okay, here's a pen and a, and, a, and a sheet of paper, and there were a number of peasants on the side. He said, I want you to draw them. So Paul Gustave Doré much to their amazement, in no time flat, started drawing these people sitting, you know, standing on the side. So much, it was so good that it impressed the guards so much that he that immediately went and said, you know what, you're fine. Go ahead, you can cross. What's the point of this story? What are we trying to say in all of this? You see, he was a skilled artist. The guards immediately were convinced that he was because of what he did. His work confirmed his words. His work confirmed his words. You see, knowing who we are and not doing what we say we are is totally pointless. It brings absolutely no results. I wonder personally if that is the reason why the church of Jesus is not as effective today as it should be because there's little manifestations of who we truly are and ought to be as sons and daughters of the Most High God. We say we believe all the things that we believe, but we're not seeing because we're not doing the things that we say we believe. Are you with me this morning? I don't want to see, you know, we, we prayed about it in prayer this morning. I don't think anybody knew that I was going to share this this morning. But the Lord always seems to confirm what he wants to say. We talked about it. Jim brought a devotion about the fact that, you know, we want to see, a, we want to be a church. And not just us, but the church in general, Jesus' church. We want to be believers who believe in signs and wonders and miracles and the things that, that God wants to do. What Michael shared just a few minutes ago about this woman's hearing popping and, and just beginning to hear. Those are the things that we should always experience. That's who we are. But it's just not who we are. It's what we should be doing. Are you with me this morning? God calls us 
to doing who we say we are. Now, if I told you I was the best golfer in the city of Charlotte, huh? why are you laughing at me? What is going on here? If I told you I, were, I was the best golfer, and for those of you who have played with me know, but I only shot 100, would you believe me? No. Now, if I told you I'm the best golfer in Charlotte and I shot 62, would you believe me? Maybe. If I shot 59, would you believe me? Yes. Would you believe me, Grant? I mean, you're a golfer. Yeah, is it? Thumbs up. Yeah, at least one person gives you a thumbs up. It's all about the results. If I tell you I'm a great chef and I know how to make barbecue, like the best barbecue in town, uh, but I just serve you a piece of shoe leather fried up, uh, you probably are going to say, eh, no, not a very good barbecuer. The results confirm the identity. The results confirm the identity. The work confirms the words. That is why Paul Gustave Doré was allowed to go into the next country. Let me read you Luke chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. Listen to what it says. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. And he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers into the harvest field. Now, let's skip ahead a couple of verses. Verses 8 and 9. It says, Jesus told them, when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. Now, skip a few verses ahead. Verse 17, the results. The 72 returned with joy, and they said, Lord, even demons submit to us in your name. What happened there? What happened? They were commissioned to live out their kingdom identity. They did what they were commissioned to do. Did, not just spoke. They did what they were commissioned to do. And so... You may be asking, what are you talking about, David? What is it that you're saying? Are you saying, I'm saying that the things that we believe, we need to find the strength to practice so that we can just be more than just have words in us, but actually experience what God calls us to. Jesus told them, heal the sick. Jesus didn't tell them, go and pray for the sick. He said, heal the sick. When someone gives you something and gives you the authority to take what they gave you, and they said, go ahead and give it out to somebody else, what the, what, would, you, would you be shy about it and think, well, can I give it to you? Because somebody gave it to me to give it to you. Would that be okay if I give it to you? No, you would just give it and say, I have the authority to give you something because somebody else gave it to me for you. That is what we should be doing. Heal the sick, meaning you heal the sick. Because we have the authority of Jesus. 
And Jesus, and they came back and they said, wow, Jesus, even the demons are subject to us. Because there is nothing and no one that can stand in the presence of God and defeat him. We are children of the light. And it's key for us to walk in our kingdom identity as sons and daughters. We have the mandate. We have authority in his name. We are called to demonstrate the very things that Jesus said we should do. Not just say. We should do so that the world can find the answers in God. Friends, it's not just going to happen with crafty arguments and pretty words. It's going to happen when we take a chance and a risk. And somebody comes to you and says, I'm, you know, I'm struggling in this area of my life. And you take a moment and you pray for them. Or maybe somebody comes to you and says, I've been struggling with this sickness or issue in my life, in my body. Just go ahead and pray for them. There's... Absolutely no risk. One of the great men of God, we met um, Billy Smith. I think this was in the um, uh, late 80s. Uh, God used this man of God powerfully in seeing signs and wonders and healing. And he wrote a book. And in this book, the formula is incredibly simple and clear. It basically says, you never go in your own authority, and you never do anything in your own power. You do what Jesus said. The ministry of the kingdom is the ministry of Jesus. We want to see Jesus actually doing the things that he did on the earth. If Jesus said greater things than these will you do, why don't we? And so Billy Smith formula was you just pray and you just release yourself from any responsibility how i'm telling you guys right now release yourself from any responsibility because there's no responsibility that you could ever assume to heal anybody you can't heal anybody when we get a headache we can barely get rid of a headache we trust god to do what he said he would do. As believers, we ought to do the very things that Jesus said. That means that we ought to be the kindest people, the most generous people, the most giving people. We should be the ones that declare that Jesus saves and heals and delivers and he does all of these things in this word. But We're also doing them because we are his. In Romans 8 and 19, it says, For the creation, this world, awaits eager, within eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Guys, I'm telling you right now, there is a world out there that is waiting for the manifestation of the children of God. And I know this this particular verse as some futuristic eschatological uh, meaning, meaning of the end times. But you know what? We also can appropriate it today. God calls us to believe that we can be used of him, that we have no power of our own. We have zero power of our own, but we believe that God can do incredible things because he is God and he lives in us.
Jesus commissioned us. He said we will do greater things. So let's go and practice what he said that we would do. Do. All right. Let me share one more thing with you. Determination is positioning. Determination is positioning. Now, when a running back, going back to the football illustration, when a running back is handed the ball after they, they decided on a, on a play at the line of scrimmage, in the running back's mind, he is not thinking, these guys, the, the, you know, the defense is just going to open up and I'm just going to walk right through unscathed, no problem. How many of you have played football at some point in your life? All right, I see some hands, some hands, okay. So you know what I'm talking about. A running back is going to meet what? Some very nasty dudes that are going to try to stop him. And so a running back is thinking, I am not going to stop because I know what position is coming my way. I'm going to continue running, and I'm going to continue running until I am stopped. His, plant, his feet are plant, planted on the ground. His strength training, his commitment, and his determination do all the rest. Friends, determination, determination is positioning. How so? Well, let me read you a scripture that shows that. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 25 says this. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? What a revelation. <laughs> okay, thank you, Paul. Could you come and tell us nowadays? I mean, you know, nowadays in every race, everybody wins, you know. <laughs> hey, parents, I want to I tell you this. I want to share this with you, with all you parents. It's okay to teach your children to lose with honor. It's okay. They're, in life, there are winners and losers. And it doesn't mean that that's their identity. It's just a game. Life is the most important thing. All right, let me stop right there. Run in such a way as to get the price. In other words, you run to win. Everyone who competes in the game goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Wow. And so we run like a running back we run, we know we're going to get the prize, we're going to get the crown. We are running to win, we don't run just to run. Now, friends, we're all going to face battles in life. And some of them will make us feel like we're being hit on every side. Like a running back that is running his play, we need to put our heads down and keep running. You may be met by a 400-pounder defensive tackle that's going to hit you so hard that it's going to make you feel like you're back to grade two. Uh, but you know what? You keep running. You keep running. There are big issues and struggles that we all face. We put our head down and we keep running. Second Corinthians 4 verses 8, 8 to 11 says this. We are hard-pressed. This is not on the, on, the, on, the, uh, on the screen behind me, so let me read it to you. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Guys, I want, you to, I wanna, I want to 
confirm to you today that the struggle that you're facing right now are not going to crush you, defeat you, and destroy you. They're not going to. We can be perplexed and in despair, persecuted, abandoned, struck down, but we're not going to be destroyed. We carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. I mean, guys, you know what? Whatever Jesus went through, we're going to go through. But you know what? We're not going to be destroyed because of the life of Jesus in us. I'm paraphrasing that verse. We have God living in us, Jesus living in us. We need to have a divine determination to push forward. And this does not mean that determination alone is, uh, gives us the power to do everything. I'm not talking about that. There are things that we trust and rely in God for. But there, are, there is such a thing as a determination. And determination is that inner strength that comes from God, not from us, not from our own inside, right? You're talking, you understand what I'm talking about, right? It's not just your gut feeling or the things that you feel that you're going to conquer. We're talking about a holy, godly determination that makes you go forward and push forward regardless of what the circumstances may look like around you. In 1 Timothy 6 and 12, it says, fight the good fight of faith. We are called to fight. We are warriors in the kingdom of God. We fight. We don't give up. We don't settle down. We don't sit down. We fight. We keep going. We're knocked down. We get up. We keep going. We must fight. There's a healthy mix of personal responsibility and reliance on God because God lives in us and we trust that he will lead us. Now, there are times when Exodus 14, 14 will be truth in our lives. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. We don't do anything. God will fight for us. That's the story that we read. Jehoshaphat, he did nothing. He, God told them, I'm going to fight the battle for you. Just send the singers ahead. They're going to worship and they're going to do their thing. But then there are times when we need to brace ourselves for impact. We need to brace ourselves and with a holy determination that will not surrender in the face of adversity. The devil is banking on you and I to surrender, to give up, to throw in the towel. We must instead be committed and determined to go through the process and push through with the strength of God. One of the terrible things I think that all of us struggle and fight with is that we would rather get to the end unscathed without any issues rather than going through the issues that we face with the Lord on our side. We need God, but we also need determination. There are some things that God will lead you and I through. But there are other things that we trust the God that lives in us to guide us through and give us the strength to accomplish. Let me close by saying this. In the opening scene 
that you saw of Gladiator, the movie. He called his soldiers to hold the lines. One of the great lines of that movie. Hold the lines. Stay with me. If you find yourself riding in green fields with the sun on your face, etc., etc. I know I memorized some of those lines because they're just like so. It gets you pumped up. He was calling for the soldiers to run in line with him. He basically was saying, be positioned rightly as we go into war, as we go into battle. Some of us may already be in a battle for our lives. I want to encourage you today, keep fighting. Don't give up. If you're getting hit, I encourage you today, Lift your head and keep running. I know it's hard. I know the struggles and the battles of this life are hard. But put your head up and keep running. Because you have God on your side. The Christian life, friends, is not a bed of roses. It's not all pretty. It sounds good. But we face battles and struggles in life. But you know what God promises that he's going to be with us. God promised that he would walk with us. Even though you walk through the shadow of valley of death. I fear no evil. I am with you. Fear no evil. You're going to make it through. Fear no evil. God is with you. We decide to live for God, we can expect the enemy to come and to taunt us, to attack us. He wants to see whether our resolve to live for Him and to serve God is dependent on our circumstances and how good we have it versus our own internal determination to serve God. I don't know what you're facing today. I know all of us, at some point or another, we face dire circumstances and realities. Maybe your marriage has been taking a hit lately. Maybe you're in a place of discomfort in your relationships. Maybe it's your children walking through rebellion. Maybe it's your job. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe it's your health. Or maybe it's your bank account. You're down to the last few dollars and you don't know where to go and who to talk to. Whatever it is, I want to encourage us today, just as children, to surrender to God. To surrender to Him. Because you know what? The steps of the righteous man and woman are ordered of the Lord. And when we surrender to him, he will show us the way to walk. He wants us to experience a life that is full. There is fulfillment in serving God and honoring God. When we are rightly positioned with the Lord, we are saying, God, here I am. I am willing 
to pay the price and to align myself with your purposes and your plans for my life. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. If you live in the Charlotte area, we encourage you to worship with us on Sundays at 10 a.m. We encourage you also to give to this ministry so we can continue spreading the gospel to our city and throughout the world. You can go to our website at missioncommunity.cc, click on the Give button, and the rest is simple. Have a great rest of your week. God bless.